You are listening to Lady Red Live with You Are Not Your Talent, Season 1. So welcome to Lady Red Live. This is Kylie Fisher and I'm so glad that you found my podcast. Now personally, I've been in the entertainment industry for over 15 years and a creative my whole life. With this idea, You Are Not Your Talent, I ask my guests to look past what they do and really find out who they are. So thanks again for being here. Let's get started. So welcome to Lady Red Live featuring You Are Not Your Talent. Today I am with the awesome, now ladies and gentlemen, would you believe that I think I've said this man's name incorrectly for the whole entire time I've known him. I've always called him Eric Fulalalalalaza. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to my podcast, the one and only Eric Fortalazella. Did I even say it right? <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I it's knew I it's one of those, isn't it? It's one of those names where, it, which I love, which is, which is hilarious. The typical way you hear it is uh, Fortaleza. So Eric Fortaleza. If that works, that works. Fortaleza. You were being Fortalezella for I don't know how long. Sometimes you were Schwarzenegger. It was whatever came out of my mouth, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Whatever it needed to be. Yeah, like I'd talk to other, other people who I was like, yeah, you know Eric Fortalazella? And they'd be like, how do you say his last name? And I'd be like, I don't know, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we are, I'm in Sydney, Australia, and Eric is on the other side of the planet in Nashville, Tennessee. Is that correct, mister? That's right. That's right. So we're, our time difference is very uh, flipped. But we made it work. Well, you can make anything work in this day and age, you know? We made it work. Tell me about your career in your highlight version of how you feel, maybe go backwards or go forwards, whatever, what do you, you think is the, the best way to give us a few of your highlights in your career so far? Just, well, okay. That, I mean, just to highlight it, I guess, if I have to summarize it in less than a minute would be, um, as you, are you in the same boat? I grew up in Western Sydney, which, um, which, uh, may not have as many opportunities per se as our other Eastern suburban brethren, but I grew up over there, and the music wasn't really focused on <laughs> when, when I was when I was uh, in high school. There wasn't enough students to do music in our in our high school to make a class, so that sort of pushed me to to practice more on my own, which I think led to where I am now, which I I, I hope or I guess so. But um, I pursued music after high school. But before that, there was like a little, um, I did medical science first and I got out of that quickly before I had to pay any fees. Wow. Studied music because I didn't know you could study music. I was like, what? You can study music? I saw, I saw a person with a, with a lanyard on the train that they're like, they can study music. I was like, they're studying at, at James C. Academy. So I studied at James C. Academy. I met people there. And I thought I was going to be in, in a band for a long time. And I realized that I had the capacity or at least longing to play different kinds of music, which then I realized, hey, I think the session thing might be the life for me. And uh, from then on, the, the skills I learned, and at least the attitude that I'm trying to instill in myself, led me to be able to play with as many musicians as I can over in Sydney. And... Uh, Every, Sydney is a very small community comparatively to, let's say, Nashville or New York or L.A. or whatever. Um, so if you work hard and you have something to show for it, uh, you eventually start mingling with the same circles of the top people that, that at least 
help you work. And from then on, it's just about meeting all these different kinds of people and playing for different artists from weddings, functions, different artists that are coming up. My last gigs in Sydney, I got, uh, I was playing bass for Ricky Lee. Yep. And uh, she hired me to be her bass player. And when I knew I was going to leave, that, that sucked because 2019, I got that gig and it was awesome because I was playing with friends and he's playing with someone who's, re who's really awesome. She's actually really hilarious. The same kind of comedy that I enjoy and humor in the same way and an amazing artist. And then I had to tell her that I know you just hired me, but I'm moving to Nashville and I hope you understand. And she understood. She was like, I get it. I would do the same thing if I was in the same position, but she's doing well here. But um, now, long story short, um, from all these connections, I was, uh, I was uh, found, you know, um, an artist from Nashville named Lindsay L, country artist, uh, who's, who's amazing, who's amazing and one of the hardest working women I know, um, found me in Sydney during CMC Rocks 2019. My name got recommended. And from then on, she was like, hey, move to Nashville. And I was like, uh, long story short, done. And I moved July 2019 and I've been there ever since. That's insane. I know that's not really a, <laughs> a highlight, but I don't want to off the bat too many things. You can all find it elsewhere and any other times, but if I could just summarize it in a little nut, there it is. But that's, but that's totally the journey that, that shows you the little, the little gigs that you started off with in Sydney that then grew to being able to play as a session musician. And then from that being at the right venue at the right festival at the right time to then meet the right person. And the decision was that simple for you. It was like, yep. Okay, sweet. I'm moving to Nashville. And that, that's the journey, you know, that's, that's the connection. That's the career so far, which is fantastic. I agree. I agree. It's like many, there's so many ways people can sometimes, um, misconstrue the, the idea of, I just need, well, you, of course you need to keep grinding and someone will eventually find you. Cause I know a lot of people that, that think that that's the only way though, mm. but it's not, it's, it's when you do, you want to just build up this, it's like building up a bat swing where the moment the right place at the right time hits, it's as strong as it can be. Cause if, if they found me and I wasn't, my attitude wasn't good. Even if I had a bad day that day, if my attitude wasn't good or I was just playing like crap or I just, my mind was somewhere else, I would, th the story would change. That's awesome. Hey, Eric. Yeah. This is my favorite question. Can you remember when and where we met each other? <laughs> okay. So. Because I have no, I cannot remember at all. Ah, <laughs> uh, Okay. Who? Okay. So it has to. It, uh, who did we used to play with? I remember, oh no, I think it's this. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was, I, my, I got recommended by some, of course, by somebody. But the people in the band, I don't remember the drummer, but I think Cheyenne was in there. Yeah. And Mark Sedicol was in there. Yeah. Um, and I, that's the earliest memory I have. And you were calling songs and you had your, I love your, uh, your MD cues. Cause I'm just like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I'm all about it. Um, and that's my earliest memory. And it was in, uh, my AKA church cues. Yeah. Yeah. It was in, uh, Dalton house. I think is, is there oh any, my 
earlier date, you reckon? I'm trying. Maybe it was a wedding. That would have been forever ago because I. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on here. Okay. So, so to do my visa, to do my visa, I had to write down every single gig that I've ever done. <laughs> like you don't sort of have to, but I, but I had it, I had it in my calendar. Okay. Um, because because my iCal just saves it anyway, and I just search right now, Kylie. Um, Friday, February February one. 2013. Um, it's a Friday night, and it was uh, at Bayview T- Tavern with Kylie Fisher. There you go. That's all. That's all making sense. The good old Bayview at Gladesville. That was that graveyard shift. I think it was like a 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. shift, and pretty much there was 13 people there. <laughs> <laughs> No, I remember people still. No, people. We made people party. I. That's what I enjoyed about you. Actually, you just like it's ballsy, and you're just like, nah, they're gonna party. It's, it's um, it's uh, it, it's rare. Uh, sorry, rare is not the word. It's refreshing when uh the female is the leader, because some most of the time, most of the time they do get out. You know, like if you have a female singer in the band, they they either look lost. Or they don't want to get in the way, mm-hmm. you know. And when when the when the female singer is 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 leading, it means okay, they they sing strong and they know their parts, they know what sections are, and they know what they want to happen. Solo, ending, bridge. The song's not working. Next, that was really f- refreshing. That's my favorite. That's my favorite uh, kind of musician, actually. I think I've I remember a moment with you, um, with a new drummer or someone on stage. And someone asked, um, I think Sedeco was in the band as well, and somebody asked, who do, who do I follow? And I'm pretty sure you and Sedeco just pointed at me and was like, just follow her, you know? And the drummer was like, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean? And it was like, that's yeah, it, bro, that's it. Just follow her. She'll she'll tell you where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch her signs, watch her cues, and you won't get lost. And she will tell you if it's slow. She will tell you if it's fast. She will tell you. If it's not sounding good, right? <laughs> which right. I love, I love it. It was all the body language, and I think for me that background came from from being brought up in church and watching a worship leader lead the band. Um, but I never, I never knew any other way to do it. And I think as well, um, the the good thing about being a singer, but being able to play an instrument, was that I could hear if something was sounding wrong, or I could hear if someone was on the minor key instead of being on the major key and things like that. And that was a really good help to then help the band communicate with each other. And um, I've, I've never let go of that kind of stuff. And I think it's been fun along the way, coming back and forth from the States between contracts and jumping in with a band who've never played with me before and half the band freak out because they're like, whoa, we don't work with someone like this often. And then the other half of the band who know me who are like, yes, let's rock. I think it, it's amazing. It's it's so awesome because um, when I first played with you, you didn't play keys. You had Chris, uh, Chris Breezy, Nick Breezy. Nick Breezy. Because yep. he looks like Chris Brown. He does look like Chris Brown. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you had him on keys. So I didn't know you play keys or played keys. So I just hear that you knew, you just knew if it was right or wrong, what keys you wanted, what key, this key. What and I was just like, okay, yeah. That to me was super impressive. And then when I, when I eventually no, knew that you played keyboard and piano really well, I was like, ah, okay, all right, I get it. It makes sense. There's the puzzle. It makes sense. Yeah. 
cool, man. So in the past six to 12 months, how's that been for you? Um, let's talk before this pandemic jumped on us because, of course, um, you know, that's one thing that we can talk about and we can talk about forever. But, yeah, just give me your past season being the last 12, six to 12 months. Oh, oh amazing. Well, um, I 2019, I actually told myself that I, I gave myself a New Year's resolution and the New Year's resolution was – I'm only going to do gigs I love. And that took a while to get to that point. It took, as you know, you've known me for a long time. And that it took, it, it took a long time to get, you know, it takes a while to get to any, any um, point that you get to choose where you need to be. I put myself in a position where monetarily I can decide what gig and I don't want to do, what gig I can do. I can decide that I don't even have to gig that weekend and I'll be fine because um, I still book gigs, and you sort of do, right? Or you, I know you have a network of people, yep, and you understand that whole thing. So, as I did too, I had a network of my of great musicians, and to the point where I don't have to work one weekend, and the bills will still get paid. Um, so I did when when I got to that point in my life, I was like, well, what am I doing? Why am I still doing the hard yard gigs? Which is fine. But maybe it's time for someone else to do that. And I told myself, how about this? Here's your challenge. I'm only going to do gigs that I love. And or slash, there's a little note in that resolution that um, I'm going to prioritize original gigs. If I already have a wedding gig and someone asks me to do an original gig for free or for nothing, I'll be like, uh, yeah. I'm going to get out of my wedding gig. That's fantastic. So that was a tough challenge, but I enjoyed that because when it happened, I was like, okay, here we go. Okay. Did you mean, are you a man of your word? Did you mean what you said? What you said? Yes, I, yes, I am. All right. I'm going to do that. So the few highlights that happened in the early part of 2019 were this after that mindset. First was getting the Rick Lee call from my friend, Jack Robert, which is an amazing dr drummer. One of the nicest dudes, amazing drummer. And he's the MD for that band. And um, and he recommended me. I think it was only for one gig because uh, the old bass player was sick. And Ricky was like, I love this dude. And eventually said, be my full-time bass player. And I love her too. And I enjoyed it. And I said yes to that. So that happened from that year, just changing mindset. The second was I got recommended. Um, again, another recommend. Everything is a recommendation. I got an email from uh, the management of Lindsay L. Um, uh, Lindsay L's management in January saying that their artist Lindsay L is performing at CMC Rocks, which is, if you guys don't know what CMC Rocks is, it's the biggest country music festival in uh, Australia. Um, they've had, I think, Keith, Keith Urban's done it a few times. Taylor's done it. Um, Taylor Swift, sorry. Tay Tay. Um, people don't know Taylor by first name. I'm just calling her by first name because she's my friend. Yes, drop that little one in there. Yes, <laughs> no, drop not. it in. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, that was March when I, I recommended Jan to do the gig in March. And from then on, the like I said in my story prior that um, she was she was like, you're the best bass player I've ever played for. And if you guys don't know her, she is a badass guitarist slash singer-songwriter and I just ballsy guitaring. And the thing that really won me over, and I tell this to people all the time, was 
The moment she finished her, uh, we did three shows in that weekend. The moment she finished her first set, um, I remember her specifically thanking the back backstage hands, the sound guy, the lighting guy, all the assistants at the back by first name. Wow. And I was like, holy crap. Who is this woman? And why is she so nice? Because normally when you play, for, unfortunately, when you play for a lot of international artists, um, they're very, uh, they do the show, they're done, and they don't really even hang. And you're just another leg of their tour. You're just another leg of their run. And I get it, you know, touring, touring is, you know, like very cumbersome. But um, so I remember that. And I was like, holy crap, she's amazing. I know, all I knew was, I knew her songs, obviously, because I had to learn it. Um, but I knew she was from Nashville. And she's a country artist over there. And she's doing well. She has a song with Keith Urban. She did a Brad Paisley tour. She did Keith Urban's tour. Awesome. And then I was like, who is, I Googled more about her. And I found out she's Canadian. I was like, ah, she's originally from Canada. That's why she's so nice. That's the connection. She's not, she's not American. <laughs> <laughs> but um, long story short, like I said before, that um, she was like, hey, um, I wish I can teleport you to Nashville. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to move to the States. As you knew that, I would be visiting the States at least once a year, trying to yeah. expand my networks and yep. put my name out there in some way or some form and meet some people. And uh, that was March. And then she's, I go, I'm serious. I'm going to make this happen. Let's make this happen if you're serious. Visa, any person that has ever tried it or wants to try it, a U.S. visa, an U.S. 01 visa is a – can I swear in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bitch. It's a bitch to do. It, it, it takes a lot of effort, a <laughs> lot of time, and it really, it's a giant self-reflection of, of seeing if you're good enough because all it is is not really even attitude. It's like show the visa, show the U.S. your highlights of your career go and why you're good enough to be in this country. But... I was a bit ballsy with my visa because I was ready. I didn't announce until a month before I was going to plan on going. But my visa wasn't even approved yet when I announced that I was going. Because if I waited for my visa to be approved, I would have not had time to say goodbye to all my friends and family. Wow. So I preemptively announced that I was going so I could say goodbye, say, get out of gigs and all of that kind of stuff. And I told I told my close family and friends three months like when I found that when I found that I'm planning on going. Mm -hmm. But I even had a farewell a farewell before I went. And when I had my farewell, it I didn't even it wasn't even approved yet. So it would have been like if I got denied, it wouldn't be like, oh, cool, I'm still here. By the way, Lord. guys, I'm not going anymore. But after that, just a quick highlight of the past um, six months at least. Um, I moved here for her. I, you know, obviously her bass player became her full-time bass player. And touring in, in the in the U.S. is very different in Australia. If you tour for an artist in Australia, or at least a major artist, how many shows, how many Sydney shows do you do? One, two. How many Melbourne shows? One, two. One Adelaide, one Brisbane, maybe a Perth if, if your mm. reach is big enough. But that's pretty much it. And then you do a lot of 
function stuff and side stuff. Exactly. But um, for 2019, Lindsay did 250 shows Man. of festivals, headlines, club shows, and arena shows, the like theaters. And that's around the country and around the world. She was in Australia. After her Australian tour, she went to Japan. So, so from from July when I moved to um, to now, I guess we've been both coasts, west, east, mid. I've seen, I went all the way up down to obviously LA, to the corner up north in Seattle, to the very corner up northeast in Maine, to the corner in north east in florida and everything in between incredible and we've been going 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 we've been going through canada we did europe we did through we went through germany we did amsterdam and i can't wait for her to do a hometown show back in sydney because that's obviously the special one but that's what was happening actually interestingly enough before this pandemic uh when they announced it at least um we had a show we were doing we flew to, we had a show in Am march 6 we had a show in uh berlin march 7 we had a show in amsterdam and we only we were only in europe for one weekend and then we went home to nashville march 8 march 9 trump goes borders are closed from europe we're closing it down because of the pandemic that's it yeah um and that was my last gig my last gigs with lindsay was in europe and we had no idea. We were flying around, not knowing what was going on. We were just, oh, we sort of wore masks in the in the plane, but we weren't thinking about it too much because it wasn't that big of a deal. But from then on, all our shows just emptied out, got canceled week after week. And right now, I've been at home for one, two, three, four, five, six, six weeks. Man. Of just being in Nashville. I it's it's interesting enough there's a pros and cons about it because for the past 6 months since July I haven't been home in Nashville so people ask me how's Nashville and I'll be like I'm not in Nashville yep. I'm in uh Tulsa Oklahoma You're on tour <laughs> yeah you know and I I never got to experience my city but now that I sort of can I can't go out so I'm just stuck at home Oh man I'm going to ask you another question Yes and I want to know, because I, I was thinking about you when we were going to do this interview and I was thinking, is, have you had any times where you've had a breaking point or moments where you had second thoughts about going full-time with music? Because I feel like, I don't know, I was thinking of it going, I feel like you might not have had a massive one that we, you know, that I've ever seen or kind of heard about or, you know, has it been fairy floss and strawberries um a defining moment well at least the begin like a good part of 2019 and 2018 and 2017 at least that build up was building this whole like i was like okay how can i how can i expand my capabilities so i started i mean i was already i was originally doing it and i loved organizing jams and organizing events and organizing producing events and producing people to perform and shows, putting on shows. I do carols at my house. We were doing the Western Sydney Jam and we did that Hillsong as well for a while. And that was amazing. And I started doing a lot of bookings for a long time. And the bookings and booking weddings, functions, events, bars, clubs really helped me monetarily to, to be able to 
afford what I needed and what I needed to uh, invest on. And I think if I could pick one defining point was 2018, I was building, because I, I never had a, I never really put a name on it. I just did it anyway. And a lot of people have their brands of what they book. And I just really did what I knew, booked my stuff and booked people I knew. But um, when I built it up in, 28, in 2018 and I was like, okay, this is doing well. I, I called it Blacks and Whites Music. And I was, it was doing really well. I was booking a, lot of sh uh, booking a lot of events and I was doing really well. And I think 20, end of 2018, going to 2019, which led to the, when, if you guys were listening before about my uh, news resolution, yep. I, I was talking to myself and I was like, is this what I want to do? Is this really the dream that I had for myself? And you played with me back in 2013 and I was wide-eyed, wide-eyed trying to be like, um, hey, you know, I want to do everything. And I noticed that, yes, I was doing well monetarily and in terms of career that I was getting booked. People were booking me. People were calling me. I wasn't doing bad, but I was like, is this really it? Like, I'm starting a business. I was going to – I was – about to uh, join a business with a DJ slash, and he also does photo booths with slash, and a guy that does video and photography. And we were going to do this whole like, hey, this is the package we offer for events. And it's like this one hit package that does everything, right? I was about to do that. And that was doing, that was going to go really well, I thought, because I trusted those dudes. But that was the breaking point in that sense of, I'm not saying it wasn't like I wasn't going to do music anymore, but is this it? Yep. Yep. Is, do I just want to do weddings and functions and bookings and talk to brides and talk to uh, event coordinators? And I was, I thought I was good at it. I, I enjoyed talking as you guys know, I, I, I can try to articulate myself as, as well as I could and sound like I'm excited and sound like I can offer you the world in the palm of my hand. But, um, I thought I, it, it wasn't, I looked at myself, okay, 10 years from now, I could be successful. I could buy my own house, a few houses, hopefully from this and do really well. But is that what I wanted to do? Talk to brides? Because I was running, I was running not low on steam. I always felt like I could do more, but I was spending a lot of time talking to clients and I was like, I'm good at it, but is that what I wanted? And that's what led to the, I was like, no. Well, it wasn't the music anymore, was it? It was the business behind the music. So it wasn't fulfilling you as as yourself, as a personal artist. Yeah. And, of course, you have to be good at the business side of it as well. You have to. But um, it, it, was, it was at least for my position. I wasn't like a singer-songwriter that needed a business manager. I was running my own business booking. So um, most of the time, artists that have good business senses – still need to have business managers so they can focus on their art. But in this sense, I was doing it all. And I was taking care of my crew. I was making sure that they all got paid. They, all, they were all doing well with their, with their cash flow and um, making sure that I, it, it was actually really affirming. Uh, um, a singer named, um, oh, no, she's going to, Emily Hanks. Sorry, sorry, Emily. She was like, Eric, um, you've actually given back a lot to the community. I was like, not, what do you mean? I was like, not really. It's like, no, well, at least monetarily. And I looked at my spreadsheet. I was like, okay, this, 
year alone, I gave back three hundred thousand dollars. Wow! To artists, there you go. At least with booking, it was going well. But it's not like I'm not saying I have three hundred thousand dollars. It's like it goes to artists and they get paid. I was looking at my ex- expenses outflow when, you know, and then I thought about that. I was like, is this what I want to do? And that was the breaking point at Jan- at 2019 New Year's resolution. You know what? I know I'll be good at this. And I've already foresighted that I will be successful in this if I, if I go through it. But this is not, I mean, at least for me, this is not what I wanted to do yet. Maybe eventually. But I need to still go to the U.S. I still need to travel the world. I still need to tour the world. Amazing. And that's what I want to do. And that was the breaking point that I was like, all right. So I set myself a rule. I'm only going to do gigs that I love or at least fulfilling. And the, the side note of that, like I said, was if I get booked for an originals gig, even if I'm doing a great paying wedding gig, unfortunately, I have to say no. Fortunately slash unfortunately. But and if they get upset at me, like, I get it, you booked me, but I have to stand on those morals, and I have to stand on the word that I say that, hey, man, I hope you understand. I know you may have booked me for your wedding a while ago or whatever it is, but I need to, I need to prioritize my career. And when I did those gigs for Lindsay L in March first at CMC Rocks, I had that whole weekend was booked. Yeah. But I put myself in a position where I was like, Hey, I can't do it. And the guys that I booked for Lindsay L's band, because I became the MD for Lindsay L um, in that show anyway, because I MD'd her for the Australian shows. Awesome. And I booked the band that I was using that weekend anyway. And um, yeah, and I think it all, like, you know, these things happened when I made that decision. That breaking point moment that I was like, no, this is not what I wanted to do, which led to, like I said, Ricky Lee happened and then the recommendation. And then six months later from January, July, mid-July, I'm in Nashville from just a mindset. That's it. The shift of the mindset and and not, yeah. and not you didn't pivot off it either. You, you literally stayed on course. And, and I think that's why you, you were blessed in the opportunity because you had decided to not waver from, you know, just, oh, you know, it's it's good money, I'll keep doing it. But you actually stayed true to your word, which is fantastic. Because m- money will come. Like I could, if if money was my goal, I would have not been a musician. Mm, that's right. <laughs> if, if that was the goal, <laughs> if money was like, hey, I want to be rich. So uh, what are my choices? Uh, engineering, medicine, uh, finance or music. That's <laughs> Let's <it>. go music. <laughs> I don't, th- so, you know, so you get it, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't, if money was my goal, music was not the choice anyway. Oh, the amount of, the amount of gigs that I can think of where I didn't pay myself to provide the full PA or like the sound system, or I didn't pay myself for booking the gig because I wanted to make sure that everybody in the band got standard rates or better than standard rates. Like, and yeah. You, you go to yourself, man, why do you do this? And then you do realize that it's not always about the money. It's about the music and, and, and wanting to still be able to be a part of that. Like I could drop myself out and not do the gig, but then I'm not going to be able to have that um, feeling of being able to, to share the music, which is mostly some, mostly the part that we love. That's what I loved about you, actually. You're, you're one of the, again, not just refreshing on stage, refreshing in your business sense as well that you were one of the people that affirmed me that hey 
you can pay your dudes the rate that they deserve. And mm. it, it, that instilled in me. There's, a few, there's only a few musicians like that. Sometimes I get it. I'm not, people, I'm not saying people undercut musicians when they do, but I'm not talking about those bookers. I'm saying that sometimes leaders don't stand up to venues and be like, hey, sorry, we're not going to do it for that much. Right. You know, it's fine. It's fine to say no sometimes. Thanks for that, Eric. I always just think I'm a hothead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it's affirming. It's needed. It's 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 in the balance of it's not it's you know sometimes people can see it as greed, but it's not that. It's it's about um chasing truth and ensuring um quality and fairness. That's it. That's that's what it is. And I think that's what we miss sometimes in Sydney and a, a good the same mindset that um with the change of mindset, the thing that I put myself in as well was with the even not just with money, I'm talking about people's music. I told myself if someone ever sends me their songs and they ask me for my honest opinion, I'm not gonna hold back, even if it hurts, because I'm sure they're gonna hear they're gonna hear nice stuff and from and fr they're gonna hear nice stuff they want to hear from other people. With me, they asked for what I what I wanted, and I think changing that mindset led to making sure that the people around me had high quality stuff. And that's what happened, I felt, in Sydney, that um, a lot of people were, were releasing mediocre stuff mm. because everyone wasn't ballsy enough to go, hey, dude, that's, that mix sounds like crap. Hey, man, the way that it's distorting. Hey, man, that song isn't actually that good, or whatever it may be. My biggest one was when... Um music agencies were bringing out their demos um, of their duos or their trios of their band and they've gone into the studio and recorded everything and put auto-tuning on everything and fixed every solo problem and then that's their that's their show reel but then it's not a it's not a live performance to show you what actually happens on stage at a wedding or at a function <laughs> yeah I love that it's 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 uh it's it's so it's so funny with Sydney, actually. Sydney's one of the only ones as well that um, you you put these show reels on and it's not, you know, we, we live, if this is going to break a lot of people's minds, if they didn't know the fact, but we live in an agency kind of uh, community. Yeah, we do. Where this agency promotes their gigs and then they have their main singers, which is fine. But everyone has played the same gigs. Yep, and everyone's playing the same like, music. And you may not get the same exact musicians that you saw on your highlight reel. I think that's what I enjoy about the States, at least. This, and you uh, must have the word soul in your band name. <laughs> oh, man, we, <laughs> we made so many jokes of how many bands have soul in it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's my, it's my uh, favorite Sydney Inn joke. It's like, yeah, that's how we're going to get gigs. Soul. Soul. And maybe vibe in there somewhere or groove. So something. Yeah, or something. <laughs> I love it. Um, how do you how do you keep fresh and up to date? Like, do you use stuff on the internet? Are you do you learn songs just to learn songs? What's what's your vibe? What do you do? So, I'll you know I'm sure everyone has the same kind of response back at home at least because we're in that same kind of community. But let me answer it in this way where. Right now, this is the first time in my life that I'm playing 
the same repertoire for an for how long has it been from July 29 2019 to now and by that I mean I'm not talking about the same set list in terms of covers I'm talking about I'm playing for one artist and one artist alone and she is and I am her full-time bass player and I also became her MD back in uh when when is uh, Thanksgiving whenever Thanksgiving is she promoted me to her be her musical director November I lo- 25 Oh I love that you know that I have no idea I should learn that I'm I, of- I think it's just the month before Christmas yeah, there I think you go. I, I don't know the exact date but anyway um that was her early Christmas present for me that be I, I became her MD and I love doing all that stuff but with your question um it's it is the first time that I've done the same songs. Mm. Yes, we'll add and change set list, change depending on the set time, set length, but it's it needs to be the same consistently all the time. And I'm not and yes, I'm there to add a bit of flavor and be able to expand um and make sure that if I wanted to do a section or extend a section or increase a solo, whatever. That's why she got me because that's the first time she's like, oh, there's more that I can perform. There's more, like someone can actually, if you've played with me, you've played with me so many times now that you know that I'm like, let's go. Let's just do vocals. Let's just do guitars. Let's extend that solo or whatever it may be. Um, And she enjoyed that a lot. And um, so, but yeah, like in Sydney, I was playing for so many different people. Every week, there'll be someone different, someone else another artist at the Monday Jam, you'll have 10 different singers coming on stage. They're doing different renditions, versions, songs I've never heard, whatever. But this is the first time I'm playing something consistent. And how do I keep fresh? That's that's such an interesting question in terms of that kind of position when I'm not really changing songs all the time. I don't have to... Normally on a Monday morning, I'm learning 10... 10 new songs for that week, you know? And I haven't really learned anything new. I mean, and when I am picking up something, like I've been enjoying listening more. That's how I keep it fresh. I've had more time to actually listen to albums and listen to songs without the idea that, oh, I have to learn this. Exactly. So I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the mindset more of listening to a song and as without that idea of like, okay, I have to do a version of that. It's like, is it a good song? Maybe. It is, it is a bit tricky. It changed, it changed my, my, um, uh, my way of uh, going through my week. This, you know, with, with being able to only have a set, set repertoire for this artist. But no, I haven't really been forced to learn anything new. And if I did, it's by choice. So that's, that's, I think that's a question that I need to ask myself a bit more. If so, how, how many more ways can I keep it fresh musically? You know, because I, I, I do get to try different solos when she would throw me stuff. I do get to try different arrangements and I, I, I apply different arrangements. And I, you know, it's interesting because being the MD, but being in a, being in a big artist that is under a label, is under BMG, um, I can't just change stuff on the fly. Back in Sydney, I had a bit more. I was sort of the boss most of the time, and I could change sections when I wanted to. But here, there's a there's a management team. 
there's a label team, there's there's all these different teams in that I also have to deal with. But when I have to, it's here, at least the proper way of doing it here, I can't just change an arrangement just like that. I have to write it out, create a demo, and then present it, and it needs to be approved. Amazing. If that was a, if that was the so, gig scene, no one would actually ever change anything because we'd be too we would be too lazy to go and rehearse too lazy. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like no. But I do love I do love the different mindset here, and I think it's important that we introduce that more in back at home in Sydney because yeah. we have great high quality musicians, but at the same time, we we have a lot of mediocrity because we're lazy is not the word because we're con we're conforming to what we think uh, that's how people do it yeah yeah so true um one of my favorite questions of all is where do you see yourself in five years from now oh i used to i used to have a i can i can answer this question the same way i would have answered it a year or two ago, mm -hmm. but I might, I might, because a year or two ago, the Eric, the Eric that decided in 20, at the start of 2019, January one to, to change it up and put yourself in a position that you can tour the world. And it happened was in this mindset of what can I do next? What's next? Am I achieving more? I know I can achieve more. What more can I do? All right, what do I need to do? Achieve, 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 achieve. Yeah. Now, I went home for Christmas 2019 at the end of last, uh, for Christmas last year, 2019. Um, and I, I put myself in a, I mean, I was in a position where the question, you know, like from July, I was touring the world and I get home for Christmas. And the question, the normal fairy tale slash movie question would be how was it was it everything you've ever dreamt of uh-huh uh-huh and the same fairy tale the same fairy tale movie answer would be it was amazing but i was happy i miss i was already happy at home with all my friends and all my family right that's like that it's like that's that same fairy tale movie answer, but if I can sort of uh, diverge, that's the right term. Yeah, uh, to to another answer in what my in my as 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 my mind was thinking, and my answer was to the question: If you ask me, and people, some people did. Is it better? Was it everything you always dreamt of? Are you happier? And my answer would be, I have no preference. Mm. And that might sound very dark, but let, hear me out. Um, I sort of had a lot of, from living, from leaving Australia to achieving all this stuff. And I think it's, you can, you can, you can sometimes see this mindset as coming from a first world, first world privilege kind of mindset to be able to think like this. But again, hear me out. Um, I got to, I was in my, in my life, er, anything that I set my mind into, I achieved. I wanted to do music. Okay, that happened. 
I wanted to do it full time. Okay, that happened. I wanted to gig every week. That happened. I wanted to gig, full fill up my calendar. That happened. I wanted to book um, people. That happened. I wanted to only pick gigs that I wanted to do. That happened. I wanted to move to the States. That happened. I wanted to tour the world. That happened. Blah, 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 blah. But as I was searching and the typical answer of like, happiness isn't when I was achieving stuff. But with the answer, with my response that I have no preference, that came from uh, at least a philosopher named Nietzsche. And Nietzsche uh, talks about, um, he, he, he says, I never, he doesn't wish people a good life. He doesn't, because, the, because in his mindset and the way he perceives stuff is life, a great life is achieved through pain, suffering, and seeing the other side of it. And I'm, and I'm not saying even, I'm not even saying to appreciate good, you have to f- go through bad. So another, another way I can, I can use a metaphor is you don't want, if you're listening to a song, you don't want the, you don't just want to hear the ending. You don't want to hear the beginning and straight to the ending, right? You want to hear every single movement from the verse going to the chorus, the chorus going back to the second verse, the second verse going back to the second chorus. You want to hear the entire journey of it, Re- regardless if you like it, don't like it, or whatever it may be. If everything was just about reaching the end, every song would just be two seconds, two notes, bang bang, the end. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's not that, and so. With the idea of no preference, um, it's it took a while, and it's still something that I'm searching for, and I'm trying to find, is that if something good happens to me, that's good. Nice. If something bad happens to me, that's also what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, I have no preference if I'm going through something bad or if I'm going through something good because it's out of my, it's out of my sort of control that is because it's only perception anyway in five years time would you want to see yourself playing for um taylor swift or someone um like like one of your artists that you aspire to i'm just i'm pushing it out there eric (laughs) okay Okay, no, that's good. That's good. I like it. Thank you. I know we could we could get so existential and and do go in a spiral of 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 philosophy and never never end. But okay, so with that same mindset, it was always about what's next, what's more, what's uh, who's the next artist. And of course, man, it'll be a dream to play with John Mayer. It'll be a dream to play with one of my favorite bands. Um, you know. Tedeschi Trucks. It'll be amazing to play for Paul McCartney. It'll be play amazing to play with Bruce Springsteen. It'll be amazing to do all this stuff. But I think being part of this crew and this band and this artist that I'm with, I'm excited to build this and be like, this is the first time that I can get, as you, like again, you've met me in 2013 and you've seen my journey, at least when I was in Sydney, that you knew how much output an outflow that I had that I would put it in all these different different ideas, different bands, different programs, different events, different jams, whatever it may be. Yep. This is the first time in my life that that entire out that entire outflow can go to one artist. Wow. You know, to be able to give give it to that. I hope 
that I'm with her in her journey of getting a Grammy. I hope that I'm with her in her journey to selling out O2 Wembley Stadium. I hope that I'm with her in her journey selling out Madison Square Garden. That I'm there. I was that I was setting up the stones. Well, that's beautiful because that means you're you're in your element. You're in your creative bubble, and it's not that you are needing to desire to get to the next big artist. It's that you're able to be be creative in that bubble. And the best part about it is probably play with musicians on tour and you guys get stronger and better at your craft each gig. Oh, man. And I think that takes time as well because you need, one, you have to trust the artist you're playing for and you really have to believe in them. Mm. And I really do. If you guys haven't checked her out, oh, man, she one of the nicest human beings, one of the hardest working people that I know. And I set myself a standard. I told myself, if I'm ever going to move, if I'm ever going to play for a big artist, they better work harder than me. Mm -hmm. And when I met this woman, I was like, oh, crap, she works harder than I do. And I'm, I was a busy boy back home. But this lady has all her fingers in the pie and she knows what's going on. And not just that, she's humble, she's loving, and man, she she's and just just to I remember where just to give a little insight of what how amazing she is and what she prioritizes. There was this one show we had where it was it was in Germany and it was in Ber yeah Berlin. I think we did we did Mercedes Benz Arena in front of eighteen thousand people, and I got to sit back uh, like I got for a good time of that gig there was a moment where I had a little split second where I was like, holy crap, I'm here. <laughs> and I'm in this living this moment. But anyway, after that, it was so rowdy because there's so many thousands of people that she was gonna, she was about, she had a meet and greet set up and her management were like, hey, maybe it's best if we skip meet and greet. It's too rowdy out there. It's too much. It's too many people. And her answer was this. No. I don't care if it's 10 people out there or 18,000 people. Let's go make fans forever. Oh, that's cool. That's fantastic. And when she said that, I was like, holy crap. That gave me goosebumps when I first heard that. Let's go make fans forever. Because after that, there was a little girl that was like, I, in, in, you know, as, as best in her English as she can, she said, I drove five hours from some German town to see you. And it's like, like she went out there and she and man, I'm going to instill I'm trying to instill that in my in my life in, in the best way I can. It's let's go make fans forever. And I think people forget that sometimes. Yeah, great. The music's amazing. Cool. The the, the you're a great musician, great guitarist, amazing solo. But let's go make fans forever. Are they going to remember you? Definitely that little girl will, you know, I love that. Yeah, me too. It's my favorite. Let's cross over into right now, of course, it's um, 2020 and the whole world's pretty much on lockdown. Um, wanting to ask, like, you're, you're a little bit like me, Eric, where you have natural kind of charismatic positive energy. So with this question, it's more like, yeah, you got back on, on March 8 and everything got cancelled from that moment on. You're in another country, you're away from home. You probably had a choice to come back if you wanted to 
how has that been for you um, being in Nashville and, and how, how are you taking it? Because, of course, all of us musicians, we really don't know when we're going to go back to work as, as a live musician. Yeah, so <laughs> um, there's, many, there's many things coming out, like in the, at least the news, that <clears throat> um, maybe touring is going to sh- restart again in July or um, maybe 2021. So in, I think with, with anyone with high charisma, and as you understand, um, some people may only see the positive. But I think, you know, you, we, we sort of like to pigeonhole people. And I want to see if it's the same for you as well. When my high is high, your low is low too, of course. Oh, yeah. Like you, you don't experience life in a, if you put it in a graph. If, if, if let's say zero is the middle, 100 is the happiest, minus 100 is the least happiest. People don't live in zero and 100. Or, and happy people don't live on 50 and 100 or 70 and 100. Happy people, the happiest people in the world live, it's a double-edged sword, live in 100 and minus 100. Right. And it, it works, I think most people work the same way. Like if your happiness has only ever reached 50, then your sadness has only ever reached minus 50. Whatever makes you most happy, there's always a, a negative of it or a, 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 an opposite. So if you really think about it, if you want to self-reflect, if people want to self-reflect, find the thing that makes you the most happiest. Take that away. That's your minus. And that's your complete opposite. So if you if you find yourself happiest, at least in this as an as a charismatic outgoing person as you're like your happiest is this peak as of as high of a mountain that people may look at it look above and look look from below and be like oh that guy's always charismatic oh man the low is the opposite of that it is as deep as caves can go this is the first time in my life i think that i've been so like I'm so no, normally I've attacked and planned life with certainty. It's like if I uh, in a very pragmatic way, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. If I don't do that, this is what's going to happen. If I do this, I'm going to miss out on this. Or if I don't do that, I'm going to have whatever. Right. But this is the first time where we don't know. This is the first time where we don't know what the end is. And I'm not trying to sound grim here. But at least from someone who's been so sure of everything that he's invested on and everything that he's tried to um, pursue, this is the first time that I don't know what's going to happen if I pursue, if I pursue whatever it may be. Is moving home the right decision? I don't know. Is staying here the right decision? I don't know. Is practicing the right decision? I don't know. Is just playing video games for six weeks the right decision? I don't know. <laughs> and I think that's what, why I'm in that mindset of I have no preference. It's okay to not know. It's okay to just be like, I don't, I don't know, man. And I think it's, this is the best. This is the, I lo- what I love what's happening is because life is also uncertain and people may lose their lives. Mm. This is the first time that I remember reading the news. Jared Leto comes out of a 14-day uh, yoga retreat to to the and 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 realizes that there's a, a coronavirus. And I was like, in that news, I don't care what you think. <laughs> I was like, who cares what celebrities think? 
Who cares? Like right now, most important is your family, your friends. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I, I, I don't, and I'm not gonna be the like. I'm not. I have no wise words. I have no, like, oh well. If you if you just stay positive, everything it will come out as positive. If you practice and you come out as a better musician. If you practice. And do all your scales, all your notes, and expand your theory. You're gonna come out as a monster musician. It doesn't matter, and I think it's the best time to let it all go. In ter- at least in terms of putting up putting up a show on the Instagram, on Facebook, or whatever it may be. It's okay to not know because no one knows. If people knew, this virus would be would have ended already. So, Eric, um, this is probably one that is gonna challenge a lot of people, um, but. I remember when I was about 17 or 18 years old, um, I I lost my, my – my, I had to go on six weeks vocal rest and I was told that if I didn't rest my voice for that long that I would probably do um, eternal damage and then never be able to make it as a singer. And when I was going through that six weeks, of course, it was a low of lows like we were just talking about. Um, but a little voice inside of me asked me if – I was never able to sing again or perform again. Would I be okay with who I am? And, you know, without my talent, what else did I see myself doing? And, of course, that was a massive wake-up call to realise that I was okay um, with who I am without having my, my gifts in, in, in singing and, and, and playing piano and things like that. So the question is... If you weren't able to uh, continue playing bass, what do you? What else do you see yourself doing, and what else do you love doing? Okay, so if I can't continue playing bass, at least technically right now, my US visa is for my bass playing. If I'm not playing music, I will get kicked out. But let's let's scrap that because that's to, that's the technicalities of life. Um, so. Like I love that you said that that you, you it's a realization that you're gonna be okay, and I'm always very outgoing and I love people and I love hanging out and I love having dinners and I love just putting people together, and that's my that's why I think this is at least making me go crazy as well because all right if I can't play music at least I can hang out with friends but that's not what's happening either I can't hang out with the band I can't have dinners with the band because. I think the first week that this happened, I set up a dinner with the band here. But then once once the laws started getting stricter, when it was it wasn't fifty or less, then ten or less, then two or less, or two or none, really. Um, I I had to stop. I had to stop doing that. So, um, in, take away the music, I just enjoyed bringing people together. And I hope, at least for you, if if there was ever a time that we got to spend like that that we got to spend that I like bringing people together and that might sound a bit cheesy and corny but hear me out here at least for the last 6 weeks this is what I've been doing in my neighborhood um I don't have a picnic table I there's a there's a bin in here we call trash can when I say bin they look at me like what are you talking about Tra- I put a trash can I put I put my I put uh I set up my guitar case I put a black cloth and it looks like a dining, it looks like a little table. I set it up outside my garage and I have dinner there and lunch there every try as every day that I can. And then I invite neighbors to eat if they want. If people are jogging, we say hi. And 
and every Friday we just invite the neighborhood if they just wanna hey, uh no one's sharing food here. Just if you wanna be six feet apart and eat, feel free to join us. If I have this tendency of just putting people together, but I also have a tendency of challenge of challenging questions, challenging ideas, challenging mindsets. That's awesome. And and enjoying that path in in a very civil way, of course, and in, in a not in, not in a way of like I'm better than you, in a way of like, hey, let's have a conversation. And like I told you, you know, like before we didn't really talk that much back back when we would start gigging. But by the last five years of my life, I made more of a conscious effort in those gigs where you have two hour breaks to have those conversations. It's like, hey, what do you believe in, and do you really believe in it? You know, so I'm making more of, I think I enjoy that. I enjoy putting people together and just having conversations and running, running talks like this. I think that's something, something along the line of like that. I'll do something like that. I love it. I love it. I want to ask that if you have anything, um, any insight for our, our younger cats in the industry. So thinking of your uni students, um, you know, I always think of what, what was my mindset back when I was 18 and 19 at uni. Like I thought that I could reach for the stars and I thought I was going to get signed and, you know, all of that stuff was right in front of me, but somehow I missed it all. Or somehow that path maybe just didn't, wasn't where I was aiming for, or maybe I just wasn't ready for it. Um, have you got anything, some, any insights for the, for the young guys in the industry coming through? I have two, I have two, um, I think it just came to mind, two things that came to mind from that question. But let, let me tackle, I mean, it'll be, it'll be quick, but let me tackle one of them basically first because this is the one that not many people are comfortable talking about. And with every other um, thing that you experience, I think there's really no right path because everyone's so different. But that's my second part of my answer. But let's go to the first part. This is the one thing that not many people talk about or there's a taboo, but people talk about money. People don't like talk. One, people don't like talking about money, or they it it's like a dirty word sometimes. Of how much do I invoice? Is that am I getting paid right? Should I do this gig for this fee? I think the one advice I can give uni students because everything else you'll learn eventually, but the money thing is what can cause or break a scene. Yeah, I think it's okay for you to ask all the players what how much money should I be charging? And Yeah, so true. I think there needs to be an understanding of the right amount of undercutting and the right, because it undercutting is going to exist. As much as I say don't undercut, it's going to exist because there's younger musicians that are cheaper. There's inexperienced musicians that are cheaper. There's musicians, there's people, let, let me take off the musician tag of it. There's people that aren't full-time musicians that do it as a side thing. There's doctors that would do a free gig. That's like, why would why would we hire you if we can hire these guys who are like are weekend warriors and will do this gig for free because they just want to play? But I think that there needs to be a right amount. Like it needs to be discussed between all the levels of musicians, and that's the one advice that I have. Have a conversation, and it's okay to ask. And I think even older musicians, if you get asked by a young guy, hey, should I be charging this much for this wedding? Should I be getting paid? Should I, is this the right amount I should be getting paid for this pub? I think it's our, our obligation for the scene 
to answer it correctly. Even, and at least we're all aware. And if someone is undercutting, at least it's the right undercutting. And they know the they know why they're undercutting. They know why the venue knows why they're undercutting. If a, if a young musician goes to a venue and goes, hey, oh, we can only pay you a hundred bucks for this gig. There's a better way of doing it. If you are going to get paid a hundred bucks, this is a better way. Hey, that's really low in terms of the standards. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to show you what I can do. If I can, if I can show you that there's quality in what I do, I would eventually expect to get paid a bit more in the future. Yep, yep. That will fix a lot of problems. That's good because like when, when we're talking about the money situation, um, I remember when I started out, I was gigging for free just so then I could pay my musos. That was like the piano room days. And the budget wasn't big enough to pay everybody, so I would do the gig for free. And that was the way I knew how much I was worth. But there had to be a time in my career that I had to believe in myself and know what I was worth. So when it got to the point where, you know, Mark and I were gigging as a duo Wednesday night, Thursday night, two two gigs on a Friday, a wedding and a late gig on a Saturday and then two gigs on a Sunday, we knew we had to know what we were worth. But that was a four to five year journey of of doing those gigs where it was it was those, you know, duos for 400 bucks and you knew you were worth more than that. But it was actually the time and the and the years that then we knew we were worth more and we knew that we could start to push the the barriers and push those venues to say, no, actually it needs to be more than this. Do you think that comes with that longevity of going, you know, out of, out of uni, knowing in your mind, okay, I know I'm a new cat, so I know that this might be my starting rate. Yeah, so again, like the, the I think you need to humble yourself enough to know that you need to ask those questions. You have to, or you'll never know, or you're just guessing. Unless there's a, because Australia doesn't have a union. No, we don't, no. So there's no union rates in Australia. So you don't know. You can search it as much as you want, and there's going to be egos everywhere in forums. Oh, I'm not going to do that gig for that much. Or, you know, like you need, this is the time when that business side of you needs to wake up. Yeah. And it, it needs to, I, it needs to know that, okay, um, what are, what are the, why am I doing this? Why am I inve- investing on this? Is this the right thing? I did that with a venue with a band. And then when they saw that the band is like, no, we can do it. And then when they saw what we brought, then, then you can prove your worth. I think it take it does take time, but it also requires a lot of self-reflection to see, am I good enough? Because the answer may be, you may, you might not be. And that's the second part of my answer. Um, I think the realization, I mean, as I grew up, I, I, I always was trying to bring people up and say, you can be anything that you want to be and you should achieve for the best. But as you grow up, you realize a bit more that sometimes it's not meant for everyone. Yeah. Everyone, like everyone slots in to a hierarchy that they can only fill. And it requires a lot of self-reflection to know, hey, maybe I'm not Taylor Swift level. But some artists might go, you know what? No, I'm up there. I know I can. But that requires, again, humility to ask your um, your experienced um, musicians and the self-reflection required for you to always self-reflect 
Am I good enough or am I only meant to be doing? It might be sad and I'm sorry. I think I'm only meant to be doing weddings. I think I'm only meant to be doing pubs. Actually, I think I'm not meant to be playing music. <laughs> that, that, that's the truth. <laughs> but it is. It's a, it needs self-reflection. Yeah. And I've had times where I've been on the, on the cruises out of Australia and there's been some, some younger bands um, in the Blue Room or, or, or on as an acoustic duo. And it was, it was funny for me because I would watch them perform, you know, before or after my, my sets at the piano bar and I would just naturally start to, you know, invest in them and thinking that they would take on some form of uh, criticism, positive criticism from someone who, of course, they always jumped into the ships and knew who I was from, of course, Lady Red Entertainment and things like that. And it was amazing to see how some of them really embraced what I was giving them for free. And then I've watched their careers just flourish in the last six to 12 months. And then other of others in the bands who thought that they had nothing else to learn and they'd made it. And it was really funny and a good reminder to myself that not everyone's going to want help. Not everyone's going to want to know that they can actually get better in what they're doing. And that's and that was the, the big defining part for me to go, well, maybe some of this stuff that I've got to give out is actually worth something. What a breath of fresh air, right? You know, yeah. Well done. Um, I, I cut you off there, but that's it's all good. I want to ask you if you were able to go back to your younger self, what advice would you tell yourself? I've, I actually reflected on this a while ago and uh, – I, I said in uh, I, I said if the ten year ago Eric had a conversation with me now, and they had because ten year ago Eric, like if there's one thing consistent with me is I'm very forward and I'm very sure of what I'm doing, regardless if I if regardless if in the grand scheme of things it's right or wrong, right? And if if previous Eric. And now Eric had a conversation or a topic or they would have a because there's ways that they don't agree with the same thing. And they had a topic and they fought. Sorry, they rebuttal like they had a discussion who would win. And my answer was no one. They would both leave. They would both leave that the, the first. So I would leave. Uh, he's young. He'll eventually learn. And. He'll he'll figure it out, and the young me would be like, "You don't know nothing. You're jaded." Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, in terms of that kind of advice, I think the one and only advice that you can give that kind of person, even if they don't take it or not, is like, um, I'm 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 proud of young Eric to be like, "Hey man, be a go getter." Of course, hey man, ba like, and I, hey man, like, strive for the best because you will, you'll get, you're gonna tour the world. You're going to tour the world and I know you're eventually going to be part of a Grammy. You're going to be part, you're going to win a Grammy eventually. You will. That's awesome. Um, but um, there's nothing I can change in terms of what he's doing because eventually he got to my point and I'm not going to change anything that led me to where I am now. But if there was that one advice that I could be like, because I know previous Eric always based things on love as much as he could. If I can go to him 
maybe lose as much of the ego earlier. I love that. Than than what you when you already have as much as much as you can. That's it, and that's the only thing that I can that I can give because the sa- he can approach everything the same way. But less ego is always good. Less ego you know? is always good. That's great. You no, know? I didn't say no ego. By the way, it needs it needs a bit, but less ego is always good. No, for sure. <laughs> Well, Eric Ford Lazella, it has been an honor to chat with you today, all the way from Sydney, flying through the Wi-Fi air zones to Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, man, it's it's been really cool. It's been long-winded, and I've loved every moment of it. I'm so sorry, and I, I can't I can't give you nothing. I can't give you nothing that isn't me. But I appreciate it, Kylie Fisher, Lady Red. No, it's awesome. And um, <laughs> I'm I hope that you have many more conversations that challenge people, that make people question who they are. And I hope this spreads to whoever needs it. And I hope someone goes out of it and be like, I don't agree. And I want someone to go out there and be like, I don't agree and I'm going to make my own way, pave my own way, whatever it may be. Love it. That's so good, man. Well, there it is, another episode of Lady Red Live and this time with Eric Fortaleza. I hope that you've been inspired and feeling more encouraged. And if you want to connect with Eric, head to my socials. Instagram is Lady Red ENT and Facebook Lady Red Entertainment. So until next time, guys, stay safe and be blessed. This has been Lady Red Live. <laughs>